This is Postcards from Grafton. We're exploring the most fascinating people and places in our community and everything in between. We are your hosts, Fred Backstrom and Gavin Maziars from the Grafton Midview Public Library. This podcast is made possible by the Grafton Village History Association. Today, we are speaking with Alan Spitzer and his son, Andrew Spitzer, about the history of the Spitzer family and businesses in Grafton and the surrounding areas. Our history matters, our community matters, Enjoy the stories. So today we are here to talk a little bit about some businesses and families from from Grafton. So I I have um, Alan and Andrew Spitzer. You two want to introduce yourselves? Alan, you want to start? Uh, That's fine. I'm Andrew. I'm Alan Spitzer from my son, Andrew. (laughs) Uh, Edit that. Um, Alan Spitzer, I'm the uh, CEO, Chairman and CEO of Spitzer Management um, in Elluria, Ohio. Um, born in, in uh, Elluria, but uh, raised near Grafton. Grafton's our roots, Grafton's where we uh, started as a family. Well, thank you for being here. Andrew? Yeah. I'm Andrew Spitzer, uh, Vice President and CEO. VP, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, that's accurate. Chief operating officer. Well, yeah, was two for Spitzer. Yeah. So, been a Spitzer for thirty-one years now. There you go. <laughs> that's good. Well, again, thank you to both for sharing with us. I'm really happy to be able to talk to you because you know we've seen Spitzer so many years in draft, and I've been there for almost twenty, and it's good to good to talk to you all. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess we could start with maybe the what you know about the beginnings of uh, the company. Uh, okay, my, my grandfather, George G., George Grover, middle name Grover, George G. Spitzer, um, uh, founded our company in 1904. Uh, he had married my grandmother, Harriet. Her maiden name was Lufer, Harriet Lufer uh, Spitzer. And we're originally from Chatham Township, which is down in Medina County. Yep. Yeah. We, we moved to Grafton and opened a hardware store in 1904. And he did very well. My my grandmother kept the books. Uh, she always wore a hat, so they called her Hattie. Uh, her name was Harriet. And Hattie kind of, you know, phonetically, it's like starts out. So, um, Typically back then, the hardware merchant was one of the most prominent uh, citizens in town. He became sure. very well known, did really good business, and in, and actually was one of the first uh, leasing agents. He had uh, buggies, horses and buggies. This is before the when the when the kind of were only for the wealthy at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, they, most people got around by horseback. And he was so salesman would come into town, and he would rent uh, uh, he would rent buggies, horses, and buggies. <laughs> oh, both uh, the horses and the buggies. Yeah, he had everything all all uh, lined up for him, and and then uh, did very well in the hardware business. And then you fast forward to I think 1912. Um, Henry Ford had the automobile business had had begun in the late 19th century. Um, and 
it was primarily, as I said earlier, primarily for, for wealthy people because uh, cars were just beyond the reach of most people. Mm -hmm. uh, Henry Ford uh, started Ford Motor Company a year earlier before we started. And they had uh, uh, this car, which Henry Ford is known for having everything. You can have any, any color you want as long as it's black. <laughs> the first Ford ever made was green. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that. <laughs> and uh, he he operated uh, uh, Ford Motor Company for a, for a few years and, and struggled. Had a tough time. He wasn't he wasn't really profitable. Then he came up with the idea of of the back then they made cars when the the people would move to the cars rather than the cars moving to the people on the assembly line. The people would move, and that was a lot more. Inefficient and expensive and cumbersome way to do it. Henry Ford's main contribution to the automobile business was that he came up with an idea of the moving assembly line. And he was able to make the cars affordable to pretty much everybody back then. To the masses. Model yeah. T. Yeah. yeah, so um, uh, he, uh, he was doing well. He got into mostly larger cities with the then the Model T. And the reason uh, that he ended up on black because he was interested in doing a lot of volume. And so they took different colors of paint and tested out the time it took to dry. Hmm. And black dried faster than any other color of paint. So that's when Henry said, we're going to paint them all black because that will allow us to build more cars faster. So that's why that's why they were all black. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Huh. And that's, uh, that's, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. and, he, and so he uh, uh, he was in you know, bigger cities, like maybe Cleveland, he was in you know, New York, Chicago, uh, with dealerships where the people uh People were, and he was beginning to expand or thinking about getting into expand into smaller, you know, secondary markets. Sure, because sure. back then, freeways, of course, and so it just was a, you know, people just do business locally. That was it. And uh, so he was in New York. Henry was in New York, uh, meeting with bankers, which he hated. He did that. He said, just give me the money and I'll, I'll pay you back. Don't worry about it. Um, and he was on the way back to Dearborn, where their headquarters was. And uh, the train stopped to take on water. Mm -hmm. The water tower, of course, in Grafton, which is a landmark, and there's a little story about that. Because so they were going to tear it down. You know, the railroad was going to tear it down. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, while it was taking on water, Henry got out to stretch his legs, uh, and he, our hardware store, of course, is just down the, down the, down the street from railroad station, and yeah, so yeah. Henry ambled in and introduced himself to my grandfather, and that's how we eventually got the Ford franchise, and they, they put, uh, they, they put uh, the Model T's in the hardware store and displayed them and sold them out of there. In fact, uh, my grandfather, I heard the story that my grandfather uh, used to, to 
because it was a full-service hardware store. We sold everything from, and including potatoes. And he used to put potatoes in the in the rumble seat. Oh, sure, makes sense. And the other people yeah. would just come in and get them on bags and get them on the rumble seat. And the Ford representative came in and said, "George Spitzer, how can you sell potatoes out of the back seat of a rumble uh, seat of a Model T?" He said, "Hey, they're selling fine. <laughs> no problem." Anyway, but the, but the uh, so then they had relocated. Uh, he eventually didn't like the Ford franchise. At some point, he was not happy with it. He had a dispute with Ford, I think, and they gave the franchise back. But we got another franchise. Uh, I think it was DeSoto down the road. In in this case, they put it down uh, down the road. Uh, right where I think where the post office is now. Yeah, yeah, the post office the, is the, in we, that building. We're, yeah. we're still we're there, we're still their landlord. Yeah, so we still own their property. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was doing okay, but not great. Mm-hmm. My grandfather loved the hardware business. Mm-hmm. He just uh, that was his passion. My father uh, of there were four sons. My grandfather had four sons. Stuart was the oldest. Stuart was uh, basically stayed in Grafton for his entire life. Then there was John, my father. He was the visionary. He was the one that saw, eventually became, you know, the uh, visionary that built our company. Mm-hmm. And then he had a, a, a brother, Sidney, younger, mm-hmm. uh, 10 years younger, and then a brother, Dell, who was 10 years younger than, than my father. Father uh, was in the business, in the hardware business, and then he went to uh, the service in 1941 after Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. He was stationed in uh, San Antonio. He he uh, married my mother, who uh, at that time she'd never been out of Ohio, and her first trip out of Ohio was going down to San Antonio to marry him in a military ceremony. It's a good trip. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, and one of his best friends in the service was Gene Autry. Oh, really? Uh, the same <laughs> cowboy. Yeah. And, and then he later went to Officer Cannon School in Miami, and, and he was in there with Car Gable, so it was a pretty cool <laughs> roommates or whatever. Um, anyway, so he went to the service, and of course, uh, the car business was on hold uh, because there were no cars being built. Uh, all of the Big three, as they were called, Chrysler, Ford, and General Motors, were devoting everything to the war effort. Mm-hmm. So they suspended production of automobiles for the entire time of uh, World War II and our involvement in World War II in this, in this country. So in 1945, because my dad always knew he wanted to be in the car business, 1945, before the war ended, they were communicating by, I guess, U.S. Post Office letters and uh, my uh, my grandfather uh, and my father uh, were talking about going into a larger city in the car business which made sense sure um, we still had the dealership in Grafton uh, but his first assignment before that when he got out of the service was to was to actually close down the car business because uh, my grandfather wanted to expand into the hardware business and liquidate the car dealership. Hmm. And that's how my, my dad uh, uh, 
went in to liquidate it uh, and fell in love with it. This was just before the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, he, then they went to Sherman. And, uh, he, was, he just couldn't think about liquidating. His whole focus was on how do you, you know, you're there. They turned it around and all of a sudden it was profitable. And so my grandfather said, it looks like you want to be in the car business, don't you? He had a lot of, my grandfather had a lot of the same ideas that Sam Walton had about buying big volume, buying and discounting and self-service and, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of those same concepts that eventually became uh, Walmart. So anyway, then if you uh, fast forward after the war, we ended up coming into Illyria and uh, my father uh, uh, built a Dodge dealership uh, because he felt that was the best opportunity because it was a, the Dodge dealership wasn't doing very well, and because uh, the the owner had passed away and the and the sons were were too interested in it, so he got a Dodge dealership and he became very dominant in Dodge. He was outselling Ford and Chevrolet combined in this market, which was really unheard of. Really, I'm oh, sure. You know, sure. Back then, it was Chevy Ford buying for number one and two. And uh, he took over Dodge, and it just became... Uh, and so as he as he uh, uh, was successful, uh, it got at Chrysler's attention. And they uh, started giving him franchises and different cities. And we were in, uh, we were in, one time we were in uh, Arkansas, Michigan, and now we're still in uh, Florida, mm-hmm. which since expanded into Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But he became, I remember I was with him in, in a meeting in Detroit where the gentleman, the head, of, <clears throat> the head of Dodge introduced him, said, I want to introduce the world's largest Dodge dealer. Was my dad. Kind of exploded at the time. Yeah. So uh, it was very, very well. Uh, and then uh, uh, he and my uncle kind of built the business from there. My uncle was, my uncle Dell was the, was sort of the, and then we went on television. We were one of the first dealers to ever go on television because it was so expensive. Oh, yeah. And we became sort of an iconic figure. Everybody, place you went, people recognized Dell. And the tagline oh, yeah. was, I want to sell you a car now. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so. <laughs> I am old enough to have seen that, so I remember. <clears throat> then, he, then he brought his son in, and he used to say, "My dad wants to show you the car." <laughs> and so that's you know sort of how it uh, evolved, and we mm-hmm. got into over the years and several other businesses, real estate uh, development, uh, golf course development, briefs, mm-hmm. and a hotel. Our core business is today still the automobile business, mm-hmm. and that's a, our avocation, our vocation and our avocation. Yeah, there you go. We, we love it, but Grafton is our roots. Grafton is really where it all started, and we still have the hardware store there, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just had a grand reopening here a couple of years ago. We modernized the thing for the third or fourth time in the last number of years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw. That. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, it's time for time for a remodel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Still a 
popular place. I was telling you just before we started recording, I, we have, I have coworkers that will just you know, go down the hardware, walk down the street, grab the thing they want, head on back on their break. Yeah. yeah. Spread the word. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's, those businesses are such a like central focus of the community, especially when, when, when your grandfather was starting everything, Grafton was booming. Right. With the rail, with the milling, with the quarrying, starting to fade at that point. But yeah. Still. The quarry was big. Still, and, still yeah. booming yeah. at the time. So there's a lot of traffic. Yeah. And, on that uh, train track. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so today, uh, you know, it's certainly isn't profitable. I mean, it doesn't make uh, money really, but because yeah. uh, it still costs to operate with oh, payroll yeah. and everything. Oh, but, yeah. But, you know, we, can, we just can't shut it down. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, the first right. the first thing, I suppose. There's right. So we, yeah. we, we are we're in business there, and, you know, it's, uh, we're proud to uh, say that that was our, our beginning. Now, the original, mm-hmm. uh, original store burned down. Yes. Yeah. Um, in, uh, I, I think, the early 30s. And then uh, my grandfather built a, uh, a new store right on this property immediately adjoining it. Mm-hmm. That was and, a big fire. Yeah. There was a hotel next door, I think, that burned down, too. Yeah, I think so. Yes. You're right. There was. I think uh, it's in that we've got news clippings here someplace oh, yeah. of that. So, did you were there any um, like specific early stories you can you think of as being really important to the business or the family even in the area that formed who you were and changed the course of things? My uh, my father bought. A of land just north of Grafton, mm-hmm. changed um, uh, for sure. Uh, because I was I was uh, born in the area. My grandfather, my uh, father, was born in Grafton, as were his brothers. Mm-hmm. But I was born at Luria mm-hmm. Hospital. In uh, in fact, right right, right up down the corner the here. Yeah. People say, "Boy, in all these years, you haven't gotten very far." <laughs> and uh, but he bought he bought a large tract of land, many acres, like not many acres, mm-hmm. and he developed a housing community. It was became known as Brent, Brentwood Lake Village. Sure, yeah. And uh, my uncle, my one of my uncles, Sidney, was was the he was the construction guy. He he wasn't. He didn't like the car, the automobile business as much as he liked construction. Oh. So he was like right. our general contractor. He mm-hmm. kind of served as a little general contractor. And so, so he was a big burly guy, right? He wasn't. He was. He was tall. Tall. Hmm. But he wasn't burly. I'd say he was fairly slender, and uh, certainly wasn't wasn't st- uh, stocky. He was. He was. He was. I idolized him. Mm-hmm. He was a macho guy, and um, so he. Uh, in fact, we ended up later on getting into the uh, farming business in uh, eventually several uh, farms. But we, hmm. uh, he went to uh, when we were developing uh, this housing development. Uh, I don't know, two or three hundred homes, which 
is still there and it's a very viable place and then yeah. eventually we moved uh, we moved our residence from we were in Elyria. My mom and dad lived in Elyria and they moved out there which is a couple miles north of Grafton. Yeah, Eaton Township. I think yeah, it's, it's still Eaton technically Township. Eaton Township. Correct. Around that area. That's correct, yeah. And so we had, um, in fact, I almost got hit by a car one day oh. moving to Elyria, and that's when my, my, my father said, Reed, we've got to get out of here. We've got to relocate. Yeah. There was a fence there, but I climbed over the fence. What are you doing? I was only two years old. <laughs> and so we had um, uh, my... Uh, then we bought all this other land and wanted to develop it into housing. Mm. And my uh, there was a there was a uh, bulldozer for sale uh, in Rocky River uh, huh. at a uh, family by the name of Butzman because they were very prominent at the time. But then they went bankrupt because of I think an IRS problem. And a lot of them were recalled everything from what I understand. And they had a farm for sale, and then they had a mansion that they were selling. And my grandfather went to buy the bulldozer uh, to develop the property and get rid of dig a lake and so forth. And and, um, and the bulldozer went early on and he got out bed and so he didn't buy it. And the last thing that they sold was the farm that it was on. Hmm. Jim Strong's was. And uh, so he started to bid, you know, because he thought it was just so, sounded so reasonable. He didn't end up buying it, but boy, if it, and he ended up buying the farm. <laughs> so, yeah. he it. so then we had, uh, we eventually, in fact, my grandmother lived there. My father, my grandfather had passed away. My grandmother lived there, and we had uh, uh, dozens of Holstein cows that we raised mm-hmm. uh, there. And you know, I had uh, won a lot of awards, blue ribbons, and so forth, uh, medals. In the uh, Holstein cow business, where we, we operated that for a number of years as well. Just because that was the last thing left on the yeah, eh, strange how that happens. Yeah, and uh, he, he, you know, he just was surprised that the, the hammer went down and he was the owner. Oh, he never expected. He said, "Well, this is be too cheap to not the wrong little property." Yeah, right. So, um, and then. Uh, Developed in, in the house that we were living in, uh, he he uh, relocated. It's a right on eighty two, Route eighty two and fifty seven, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's the first house you see on the left, two stories, built the year Ohio became a state, eighteen oh three. Yep. Really. And then he, he moved it, and then he added on and expanded. Built another extension and so forth, and it's on the it's on the north side of eighty two. As you just after you turn, there's a marathon station. Yep. there. it's on Route Fifty. I'll have to I'll have to look at that. Yeah, and then when you head uh, east on eighty two, it's the first house on the left. Huh. Okay. I'm sure you. I've driven past that a yeah. thousand times, yeah. probably. It's on the left. There's a circular driveway. Um, just the other the other day, looking at. Restoring it because we need some work because we have been living there for quite some time, but we still own it. Oh, okay, okay. And so we're probably going to fix it up. We can get a contractor there, and you know, the bones are good, it's solid, oh. the house is solid. Oh. 
and yeah. preserve it that way. Preserve, yeah, just you know, just uh, just believe it that way. Hmm. So that's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. From the age of two or three until I got a college, because yeah. I went to Baldwin Wallace. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, did you? Uh, oh yeah. yeah. So I commuted. I didn't. Same here. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I commuted, uh, and then I, I tried to take eight o'clock classes and evening <laughs> classes, and um, uh, so I, I worked during the day. I'd go back go to work after uh, my eight o'clock, mostly go to evening classes and so forth. And then I, I didn't uh, uh, move out of there until I was like twenty three or something like that. Twenty two. Sure. Twenty two after college. Mm -hmm. So at Grafton, at Seton Township, but you know Grafton, I went to, I went to uh, Grafton uh, Elementary School. Oh, that. Well, originally I went to Eaton. Oh, interesting. Yeah, where yeah. Ross, where Ross Incineration is. Yes. That used to be, uh, that was Eaton School. And then so I went there. Except for second grade, there's a church right down across the street from. Uh, not that it wasn't a. Just a space. They had too many. Uh, didn't have. They had too many pupils for the school. So they, <laughs> second grade, I went to the church across the street where the classroom was in second grade. Went to Eaton School until junior high. Then I went to Grafton High School. Grafton School on Elm Street. Oh, sure, the old school. Yeah, the old school, which is you know still there, but yeah. that was that was the school uh, that I went to uh, middle school or junior high. Mm -hmm. Until I was, um, and I was, when I was a, the time Midview High School was only 10, 11, 12. There was no freshman class. The yeah, freshman okay. class was, was in Grafton. So yeah. they, they, a year that they made Midview a four year high school was the same, was the same year that I, I was going to be a sophomore in Midview. And so they brought the freshman class over to Midview the same year, and the freshman and the sophomore class at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I never had, my class never had to be below, you know, you low, lower than the total. Never worked. When you end up getting, you know, a TU to ride or yeah. you're a low man on the totem pole. Oh, yeah. We never had to do that because the freshmen came over with us, and they were the, they were the rookie. They were the, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, so I went there, and then I did not uh, attend Midview my last year. I went to Culver huh. Academy in South Bend, South of South Bend, Indiana. Okay. And then Baldwin Wallace. And then BW, yeah. Yeah, BW. Then I came into the business. I was always in the business. I, mm -hmm. I uh, uh, when my father built the dealership in O'Leary, the Dodge dealership that I referred to previously, mm -hmm. um, he did not believe in kindergarten. No. So, because he thought all you do is color and take naps. Back then, that was <laughs> not too far from the truth. Yeah, and true enough at the time. There wasn't much actually, uh, it was a daycare thing when I, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you didn't really get into any learning until you were in first grade. That was kind of typical. Mm -hmm. So he, he kept me out of kindergarten. He took me into the dealership and I worked in a, in a body shop and I, he put me to work as a, <laughs> For the, for the body shop manager, yeah, get you started early. Yeah, and, and so I worked. I worked always worked summers uh, throughout. I did every job in a, 
here in the ocean, just about. And then uh, uh, I started selling cars when I was, uh, I think, 16. And I sold cars. Um, hmm. I sold cars in summers, and I sold cars sometimes in the evenings and so forth. Then I went into management, eventually became uh, running dealerships. Um, and working in different markets, we were. In, I was in Florida, Miami, Florida, uh, Akron, Ohio, uh, where we had we got several dealerships. And then I became to Spitzer Management in O'Leary in 1982. And here uh, for the 41 years, mm -hmm. my uh, uh, father worked uh, here until uh, his death in '92. Mm -hmm. And then my uncle and I worked together until I think it was 1998 when I bought my my uncle Dell mm -hmm. uh, and his family sold their shares to my family. Mm -hmm. And so now, uh, but we still have Grafton still have yeah. all we can. Oh yeah, and that's that's uh, that's that's still what we're proud to call uh, call home. My uh, my uncle. One, not Dell, the other is his older brother, uh, Sidney, mm -hmm. uh, whom I said that was a, uh, another uh, sad situation where yeah. he built a, he was like I say, construction, and we were getting a dealership in Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and my, selling uh, uh, all these Chrysler products, and, and my uh, uncle went to, uh, was going to, uh, to Miami to be the general contractor of that construction. Mm -hmm. And he took flying lessons while he was down there. And he bought a Piper Cub sure, sure. airplane. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, he flew back from Miami to, I think, Aluria, mm -hmm. uh, Marin County Airport, mm -hmm. uh, following railroad tracks. He didn't have a map. Oh, really? Just following the Makes sense. And uh, then he developed a, uh, he developed a landing strip some behind our home in, in uh, Brentwood uh, in 85, I think. And uh, he was, uh, he was going, taking off and uh, the plane went up in the air and then it crashed. In 1956, and he was uh, he was killed immediately. 1956, and it was uh, you'd asked about that, and that was, mm -hmm. that was in the paper. Yeah, we have that. Yeah. We have that original in our database and in okay. our archives. It's you know, such yeah. a tragedy that right. he, was, he was young, thirty years old. Young. His wife was his was only twenty two. And, and uh, his only son was only six weeks old. Yeah, it was awful. And I was presumably scheduled to fly up with him. Oh, really? Because my my mom and dad were in Michigan, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They had a dealership in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, my grandmother was babysitting us, my mother's uh, mother. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to, I saw him I could see him from our backyard drive back to where his plane was parked. And so I ran back and mm -hmm. agreed. I said, I think I'm going to take it for a quick spin around the village here. 
you want to go? I said, sure, I'd love to. And then my grandmother called me to supper. Mm -hmm. So I said, you're going to have to take a little rain check. Yeah. And I watched the plane go up in, in the air, and then I, I heard stop and heard the thud. Mm. And he was gone. And like I said, he was, I idolized him, Sidney, yeah. Carl Sidney. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a dealership in Grafton that eventually became known as Sidney yeah. Motors. I was going to ask about it, because that was him, wasn't it? It was named, named after, after him, him, right? Yeah. After, it was after him. So yeah. he, like I said, was not in the car business. Yeah. He was yeah. not in the auto business at all. But, mm -hmm. but just as a tribute to him, mm -hmm. my dad changed the name to Sidney Motors. That was the old, that's the post office now, that, that building right there. Mm -hmm. Have the have some photos with Sydney Motors right on the right, front. Yeah. Right, right, and then uh, eventually uh, we sold the properties in Grafton mm -hmm. and uh, and the franchises. Mm -hmm. um, we sold the franchises back to General Motors to Chrysler, as I recall. Oh. And we kept the real estate. Then we rented the real estate for a while. Then we sold. Eventually, sold uh, uh, all the parcels except the post office. Yeah, separate. Which we still own. But the other ones, I think, we sold. The ones that are a little bit further north. Just over know. the over the train tracks, right? Right, 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 right. When when did that when did that dealership close or move? I should say. In the, uh, I think it was in the eighties. In the eighties, okay. Just yeah. yeah, I know there's there's still a lot of people who remember that. And yeah, they'll, they'll say it. Go to the store, it's the, the old dealership. Yeah. So it's because the buildings are still there. The buildings are still there, and we've 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 rented uh, both of them for a while. And eventually, the uh, tenants wanted to buy them, and we agreed to sell. We still own. We're still the landlord of the post office mm -hmm. and the hardware store and we have other properties in Grafton as well that we rent homes and so forth. Yeah. And in fact we just had a property over on Willow Street that we it's just bare land that we donated to the to the village. Oh, okay. Just recently because we went met with the mayor and they wanted to do it. So we 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 took it. Yeah, Mayor Dave, right? Right, right, right. I know maybe they want to develop over there. So yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. You mentioned the old school, which has uh, been sold and is being restored. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah, they're making it into uh, partially part of it's going to be a museum, part of it will be an arts center, hmm. uh, place for people to put on performances and have meetings, and uh, like a historical center. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. Person who really loved the buildings. So. Who was? Uh, there's a group, a private group that. Uh, the yeah, yeah, the representative drove past one day and thought, "Really, she wants to preserve that building." Well, wow. it's it's sporadic, but they do have updates on that. Okay, once in a while they're working. Hmm. What, what so is the the old Grafton School? So that's the Facebook page. Yep, that's them. Wow. Yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about when we when we first stopped in um, about the car collection and maybe your preservation efforts. Yes. 
know if you could maybe okay. speak a little bit more about we, that. Yeah, it's we have uh, been uh, collectors of, of uh, vintage uh, mm -hmm. and classic automobiles for many years, uh, including the muscle car era back in the 60s and mm -hmm. so forth. And we have, uh, we have, I think, 120 or so cars all the way from Model T's and we have one of the only remaining original Dodges. Oh, really? 1914, huh. I think it was. Uh, came out. In fact, the Dodge brothers almost ended up owning Ford Motor Company. Really? Because Henry was 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 uh, short on cash, and so he was giving the Dodge brothers stock for for buying because they were selling. Uh, they were they were vendors of Ford. Mm -hmm. And before they started making Dodges, and it got to the point where they had so much stock that they almost took control of, of Ford until he started to turn things around and got cash flow and able to stave that off. It's but, close. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, so we, we uh, yeah we so we've acquired over the years uh, from various uh, sources. People a lot of times just uh, call us because they know we have a reputation of being collectors. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, 100 and over 100, like I think it's 120. Mm. Uh, way from, like I say, the early uh, part of the 20th century all the way up into the 60s and even 70s. And we've got uh, some of them are very, very nice condition. And the plan is to develop a museum mm -hmm. and store them. It's important to preserve some of that. Yeah. Right now, we've got them in several locations, including Grafton. We have. Oh, really? We have a building in Grafton, right behind the post office. There's a space. Oh, okay. Where we have a few cars there. Yeah. And we've got some record, historical records there, and so forth. Yeah, I think I've heard people talking about some storage back there, but nobody ever seems to know. Yeah, we call it the <laughs> annex. Oh, the annex. Yeah, that makes sense. So I bet that's on the drawing board right now to do that. I never knew my grandfather. He no? he he died before I was born. Mm. My mother may have been pregnant with with me at the time, but she had. I had not been conceived. Yeah. Uh, I've always regretted that. About him to such high regard, mm -hmm. and I just kind of, it's one of the regrets that I had that I never, he never got to know me, and I yeah. never got to know him. But exactly. I was born in 46 and passed away in 45. He was only 62. Too young. Too young. Too young. Too young. You talked about uh, that you at one point had a new contract with Ford, and then it went and then had a disagreement. Could you talk about how you, Ford, you uh, the Spitzer Company and Ford eventually had another agreement? Yes, that, that's an interesting story, and I had forgotten about that, and I should uh, I should have remembered that because it's a pretty important part of our history. Hmm. Um, as I as I said earlier, my my uh, father uh, got a Dodge dealership in Elyria, and dominant. Chrysler, Chrysler, 
Mansfield, and there's Cleveland, and there's Columbus. That eventually gave us a dealership in uh, Miami, Florida, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Little Rock, Arkansas. Jeff said that because of the significant volume that my dad really understood how to sell cars and volumes, and that's what they sure. wanted to do. And as you can see, I just am showing you there's a this is a contest where there's my uncle, there's my no. dad, there's my uncle. And you see there's we did it by city and you can see the numbers. There's a area how much bigger than three times four times the size of the next person. Next one, yeah. Yeah. And and so so it caught so it caught Ford's attention. Hmm. And Ford uh, Ford uh, representative contacted my father and offered him a uh, point, a new point that was an existing dealership in East Cleveland. It was in the east side of Cleveland, not East Cleveland. Eventually moved to the city of East Cleveland. Mm -hmm. But it was in the Cleveland East Side at 105th and Chester Avenue. Huh. And uh, uh, he went in with uh, my uncle, and uh, we had a really good manager who developed under my dad's uh, wing for many years, which was, I think, the Elyria dealership. He went in, built a team, and uh, started to really crank out the Fords and sell them. Mm -hmm. We became, in a, in a matter of a year or two, we became, I think, the number one retail Ford dealership in Ohio. Huh. And Ford was suspicious about that. They thought, well, the consumer laws were passed that mm -hmm. protected consumers and so forth. And, and uh, after the war, business was very, very good for dealers for many years, but now things were starting to soften. The economy was getting difficult, and there were small percentages of dealers were doing things probably that were unethical, you mm -hmm. know, and they were concerned that we were not doing it straight up. So the Ford sent shoppers into the dealership, and they all came back with glowing remarks about how well they were treated, how good it felt, how nice everyone was. In fact, one of the shoppers even bought the car from them <laughs> because they thought, well, this is a good deal. Let's go. <laughs> and, and so at that point, uh, Ford uh, contacted my father and said, at that at that time, they none of none of the car makers had a process that they were recommending to for for selling. Everything about it just was selling the car to dealer, and that's that's huh. as far as it went. They were dealer figured every dealer had to figure out his own process. Hmm. And Ford was so impressed, they called my father and said, "Please tell us how you do this." And so my father and my uncle went to uh, a studio. And they was actually in Chicago, and did a just short of two-hour film, which uh, are ten-point uh, sales process, hmm. and it became Ford Motor Company's uh, training program for many, many years. I went to Ford Marketing Institute myself uh, in the early '60s, and basically they turned on the projector and said, "Okay." Watch this. Watch this. This is how you do it. And it became so well known that uh, many sales trainers uh, 
that had been, in many cases, working for Ford uh, dealerships, started their own training company, and the, and the, and the word Spitzer 10-point sales process or 10-point sales plan, it became iconic in the industry. In fact, I like to say, you know, that my, that we invented the wheel when it comes to selling. Uh, it became, you talk about anywhere that's been, anywhere that's been around for in the, in the auto retail business for any years in automobiles, can talk about the 10-point sales plan, and they'll know it. Mm. I mean, it's universal. And many of the elements that are appropriate today as they ever were, but it's still a people business. It's people doing business with people. Sure, absolutely. That doesn't change. And we've, uh, we still use it. We still train our people. It's definitely customer friendly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of it. And so, yeah, that was a big part. That, that uh, was a big part of our history. My dad always was kind of regretting that he did it because we, we, we got, got raided by other dealers. They said, well, all you got to do is hire another Spitzer guy and you'll be, the guy back then was a young guy, but get, get, get us a Spitzer employee and we'll be in good shape. The competition knows the secrets. Yeah. But yeah, that's... That's a, such a major influence on the whole industry. That, it really has. Yeah. That would change everything. Yes, so. really, and it, it really did. Uh, in fact, I, I had meant to do it earlier, but I'm hopeful that they'll be uh, inducted into my father hmm. uh, the Automotive Hall of Fame up in Dearborn in, in Malibu this year. I mean, can't think of too much of a better of a candidate yeah. to be nominating. Concerned how influential he was, you know, in that scale. Yeah, he was yeah. an innovator. He was a visionary, uh, and uh, yeah, he was he was an icon. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I'm regretting that I hadn't done it earlier. Talked about it, or thought about it for many years, mm. and I've been on an app- application nomination now. So oh, excellent. I can't imagine they're going to say no to that. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. I talked to one of the one of the representatives, and they said she would definitely get that nomination. Going. Oh yeah. So be enough of the Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Got to check those things. Those things, and then I've already kind of got a uh, narrative going working on it. July thirty-first deadline. Oh, yeah. excellent. We'll have to keep an eye open for yeah. for the news. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Oh yeah, we'd love to love to be able to share that with everybody. Well, and, and also your your grandmother was influential because of us at the library. When it comes to so the library, like, that was her that was her passion was that the Grafton Library was, and she was one of the founders of she the was, library. She was. Her well, name's on the proclamation. Right. So yeah. it's. You know that that's it just goes to show you your your grandfather and grandmother, business service for the community. All about the community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all about the, we've got to give back. You know, it's, that's makes, the, makes it a better place. That's the way we feel today, right? Yeah. We feel like it's our our responsibility to be there to help help the people. Yeah, help. That's I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, right, one way or the other. However, however they need it. Yeah. 
right yeah. after the end of the year. Exactly. You start with the ten point. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, when I because I sold my apartments for a little bit, and clearly, a lot of people they have options, but there are mm-hmm. people that don't. And you know, I had a small handful of times where I was lucky enough that we were able to get something done for mm-hmm. someone that never thought they had a chance to get in the car, mm-hmm. and really had people cry because yeah, they're sure. so happy to. Yeah, you know, that's someone's willing to work with them, and mm-hmm. you know, someone's duty. It, you know, no one's going to work hard. You know, that's that's our philosophy. Want to be there. Yeah, it's all about team business. It really is. I mean, well, I mean, and people need to get around in this country. Yeah, that's just it's an absolute requirement for people to have jobs, for people to take care of their kids, all those yeah, things. It's you got a common denominator. It is universal. Yeah, we need it here. It's, it's a requirement. So, yeah, of course. And the industry, uh, I mean, of course, it's yeah. the industry has, you know, it's interesting that uh, when the industry started, I don't mean industry in uh, uh, Daimler, uh, Carol Benz uh, mm-hmm. started the, basically, when they started the industry, it was now Mercedes, which was the daughter of one of the direct board of directors of Mercedes Benz, of Daimler Benz then. Was named Mercedes. Her first name was Mercedes, and that's why they call Mercedes. But um, in from from the late I don't know, eighteen eighties, whatever. The, from the late nineteenth century, the uh, business there were really not not much changed uh, in the automotive retail. And as I said earlier, it was primarily for the wealthy mm-hmm. because of the cost. Until Henry Ford came in. Mm-hmm. Henry Ford was the one that made it affordable for the masses. Sure. And that was in really in 1908 when the uh, Model T company was 1903, but the 1908, I think, was the. And then General Motors came along. And it's interesting because there's a, a CEO by the name of Alfred Sloan who wrote a book. Called my years with General Motors, which is it was a bestseller. Hmm. In fact, Bill Gates said it was the most important book he ever read huh. at one point um, in terms of how to run a business. But Alfred Sloan uh, took some market show away from Ford by going off at of just black. They went to colors, hmm. and you could get a choice, <laughs> and and it ate into uh, Ford's market share. And Henry was very stubborn, and he didn't uh, he didn't change really. He was not very uh, flexible. Uh, very stayed in his ways, and it almost broke Ford Motor Company until they eventually uh, got him to retire. But his wife owned a lot of shares, mm. and she even voted to have him <laughs> get out. And his son then took it over. Henry, actually, his grandson. They called him Henry the Goose, Henry the Second, after the war. Uh, but but after after Henry came up with the with the assembly line concept and cars became more affordable, the business really fundamentally didn't the automobile business retailing did not change much at all. Really? For decades and decades huh. and decades and decades until the internet. Really? So the internet in the last, say, maybe, you know, what, 20 years, 
in the advent of an inevitable mainstream. It's the technology and everything that's evolved since then, but it's changed more. I'd say our industry has changed more in the last 10 to 20 years than it has since its, since its founding. And a century Probably. beforehand. Wow. Yes. Probably for the better, though. You know, I think the product is better. Because um, if you're selling crap cars, well, the, the quality, the, the internet, quality, internet's going to find you out pretty yeah. quick. The quality yeah. has, is significant. The quality of the price of admission, at least in necessarily that way, poor quality cars. That's one of the wake-up calls that uh, the industry got from Japan. Because mm. it used to be that the domestic industry, the big three as they called them, mm -hmm. Chrysler, Ford, GM, were 90 some odd percent, 95 percent industry, so they weren't, it was like it was a monopoly. Mm -hmm. And the focus wasn't uh, as much on quality as it should have been. Uh, and they actually uh, sometimes would do a cost-benefit analysis, whether it's better to go back to the beginning of the assembly line and fix it or just pay warning claims to the dealers and just let the problem go through. Hmm. And the accountants, the bean counters, as they called them, would, would make a decision based on that. And, and Japan, Japanese cars and Japanese Merchandise in general had a very, very, very low regard uh, in terms of quality. In fact, made in Japan was a joke for poor quality. Oh, that was that must have been if something fell apart. You hear a lot of times, oh, that must have been made in Japan. There's a there's a, a, a professor by the name of W. Edward Deming. That had uh, some concepts that he thought would help quality in automobiles. Mm. And he went to Detroit and he knocked on the doors of, I think, all three manufacturers. He said, I'm going to Detroit. I said, I got some ideas I want to talk, share with you. And they, you know, again, because of the monopolistic nature of the business, they showed him the door. He said, We don't need. You don't need a uh, professor coming in, trying to, a college professor coming yeah. in, telling us how to run the business. And so they, so they, they didn't accept any of his ideas, and he went to Japan, and he knocked on doors there, and he was welcomed with enthusiasm because they knew they had a problem. And of course, back then, or not back then, the government. There was no separation of the, the government. Was really the Owner for or had control anyway of uh, they definitely was not much uh, different so they could and um, some of the ideas they adopted and they saw significant improvements mm -hmm. like quality circles and you know some of the different ideas that he had in fact uh, I believe it still exists there there became an award from the Japanese government. Every annual award for quality, not just in automobiles, but across industry, hmm. and and it's called the W. Edward Deming Award, <laughs> the highest award for quality in Japan. Well, there you go. And then eventually, uh, uh, they 
took market share away from the big three, mm -hmm. Toyota, Honda, Datsun, uh, Nissan. Nissan yeah. Finally, they, the big three woke up and said, we better figure this out. And it became now so that Andrews says that quality is the price of admission. Yeah. You can't build a quality car. And several other manufacturers have come and gone over the years. Oh, so dozens many. and dozens, but so even in the last, even in the last twenty or thirty years, there have been a lot of dealers that are manufacturers that tried to enter, mm -hmm. and and if quality wasn't good, then they just didn't make it. Today, so given that, it's a, it's you're not gonna you're not gonna even be around if you can't build a quality vehicle. Right, oh, sure. But the whole internet and artificial intelligence and everything is just. Just all the dynamics of what what the business today versus even even ten years ago, yeah. it's not the same business. Dealers that uh, can't adjust or struggle for mm -hmm. on yeah. yeah. I mean, there's never been more action in the uh, buy sell market when it comes to dealerships. Yeah, last couple of years it's good to be a dealer. Business has never worked more. So while the mom and pops are out, so mm -hmm. the consolidation has been. Pretty uh, accelerated quite a bit. Yeah, it's been good for us though. I mean, we've been the bigger push, and mm -hmm. I think it's opportunities. So yeah, we've 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 added a number of uh, operations in the last two years or so. Revenue just uh, just over doubled as a company. Really? So we came into hmm. twenty twenty at twelve stores, and then after the summer. Yeah, so. Some dramatic changes in, in business yeah. recently, for sure. Well, you know, it just goes back to our culture, and mm -hmm. you know, we're only as good as the people we have, and we're really fortunate to have great, great leaders mm -hmm. at our stores, and that allows yeah. my dad and I to focus on the ones that need the help. And sure, you know, I tell my guys if you're all set and uh, you need something, just let me know. Exactly. Well, you're in the business wouldn't have gone through four generations if that wasn't Correct. true. Yeah. Doesn't work that it, way. It hasn't not worked for us. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, initial culture is what it's spurred that success, I suppose. Of, yeah. what, and you know, over always, a century. Yeah, there's always ups and downs mm -hmm. in uh, in any industry and in any company, but we've yeah. weathered the storm so far. Yeah. Don't see uh, any end to it. No pressure. No. Right. <laughs> Just to make sure I understood you guys clearly, you talked about the internet and everything, saying that you know, increased competition and quality and, and the, you know, the further reach of the, of the market now is what's really changing the game for everybody. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, I, when I'm talking to my general managers, you know, it's, it's like when you get a lead from the internet, that's the same thing as someone walking your showroom. It's just digital. You know, they're checking out your seeing what looks good and what, what catches their eyes and you got to take advantage of that moment yeah like um, people you know before the before this revolution people would shop five six they'd go around five six dealers so the average dealer closed about one out of every six or seven people that showed up at his at 
as their door. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, the floor traffic itself, like Andy was talking about, the floor traffic itself is quite a bit lower. But the traffic that's coming in online mm-hmm. is off the charts higher. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. Average consumer, most people only go to one store. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really, I think it's like 1.4 visits. It's one so and a half, yeah. That's what they about. So, you know, it's either just don't mess it up, and half the time someone does, right? So that's the way we see it, and that's mm-hmm. a lot different than what it used to be. Yeah, it used to be. So, you know, we know that they're not there for cotton candy or hot dogs. It means they already found the cart. They want it. They're there. They want so, it. They want it. What do you do? They, they want to go with it. Yeah. They've done their research, and many cases they're showing that it's listed strictly online or in the economy. Like, it's, it's, under, it's under two for sure. Yeah. Sure. It's yeah. really funny, especially with the, you know, electric vehicles. They're still new. Uh-huh. You know, some of our salespeople, they're still learning them. Those customers know exactly all the technology, and they're often teaching. Yeah. You know, yeah. people wearing Spitzer shirts not about their product, <laughs> but, you know, that's a good thing. You want educated people. And yeah, and educated consumer is good, too, because mm-hmm. you know, that helps us ensure that we're holding ourselves honest because, mm-hmm. you know, we're a family business at our heart. Mm-hmm. But anything we sell, we'd want to be able to let our family drive, too, right? So, yeah. So, did you have any any other things you'd like to share? Um, other memories? Thoughts? I know we've, we've covered a lot of ground today, so that's pretty good. Apparently, we're you know we're poised for the future. I think uh, yeah. Grafton's always going to be your home. Oh yeah, dude. Everybody in Grafton knows Spitzer. I know there's there's certainly that the, that trust there. I think so. And the a lot of memories, a lot of important memories, and a lot of <coughs> important contributions to the community and, and the history. So you know, there's yeah. there's not that many family names in Grafton as well known. Probably none, if not the truth. Yeah, well, <laughs> but you know that's 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 valuable, and that's what we're doing here is preserving that history of of, of family and contribution and business and you know, life. It's the, the interesting part that I think lots of people like to learn about. That's why we're so focused on making sure that the uh, hardware store is <laughs> successful, or at least yeah. continues to. Because that's our much that's it, you know, that's our involvement. And in fact, uh, downstairs we've got Shelly, our director mm-hmm. of administrative knowledge, not here, her boss. Uh, but she that's her baby that's started. She goes there probably once a week or during sure. Talks with our supplier <laughs> and so forth. Uh, Boswick Brown is our supplier that we use our engine. So we have oversight. I mean, we watch it. I mean, it's a, uh, not a small not part. A piece, a small yeah, piece of our total company, obviously, but uh, still important to us. Has that meeting. Yeah. I got to stop there later today, probably. <laughs> the truth. So I got to pick up something myself. It'd be easier than going to some giant place. I don't need to go to. Right. Well, a couple of our competitors have closed up too. Uh, True Value and. Mm-hmm. People like those smaller places. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a better experience. Fortunately, yes. with our, our hardware store, twenty five stores, they can only have three out of yeah. down one. <laughs> right, true. <laughs> Just the one. Grafton's growing though. More people are going to need more yeah. things. No, right. it's good. Lots yeah. of new people. We don't plan on going anywhere. 
Well, that's I, that's great. I mean, I appreciate both your time so much. And if you have any other things to share, whenever we're always we're always glad to preserve the history of our community and our people. He's got the history. Yeah, <laughs> it's valuable. People want to know. Yes, they do want to know. Well, like I say, I hadn't been to the facility for many many years, but mm-hmm. I was pretty impressed by the not only look but the way it felt. You could tell everybody was. It's not a bad place to be. I mean, again, thanks to your family that that is there for the community. That really, I mean, she was such a big part of the area. So yes, that was her. Yeah. So lots of lots of lots of legacy in the area that's really valuable and, and important. Uh, and Ron Johnson's kind of what brought us together here because he did much of the same thing in Old Yeah. Mine. Yep. And uh, so he came down and we spent a couple hours. But he was going to stop in, thank me for our contribution to Mill Springs. Yeah. And that's, that's good to do. Yeah. That's good to do. So thank you again very much. Thank you very much to our guests, Alan and Andrew Spitzer, for joining us to discuss their family history and business history in the Grafton area. For more local history content, check out the Grafton Midview Public Library's collection online at gmplibrary.org slash local history. If you have a question for us or a topic you'd like us to explore in a future episode, or if you'd want to participate and share, email us at postcardsfromgrafton at gmail.com. That's postcardsfromgrafton at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening.